Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level, but didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Welcome to the Bone Cave. I'm Brian Maiman, and we are here to talk to you about, actually, today's going to be interesting. We are going to talk to you about um, guided, not guided, um, dropped, uh, kind of outfitter supported, semi-guided. We're going to talk to you about a lot of that. But before we move on, I just wanted to take a second and say thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate you like crazy. I know on the last podcast we talked about Hawaii, and uh, um, and we had some uh, a guy with his son that knew you, Brian, um, that had stopped by and in the sheep show. And anyway, uh, we appreciate you listening. Every week uh, we welcome new listeners, and without you we clearly understand um, that we are not able to do what we do without you listening. And so if you're new to Rolling Bones, I want to invite you to check out our membership. Okay, we have a membership. We are an inclusive club, not an exclusive club. Is that is that what you would say? Um, and we have built them to save you money, time, and take the guesswork out of booking an adventure or applying where maybe you would never be able to draw or maybe applying where you could draw with the right um with uh, the right points you could draw and do a DIY or a guided. So we want to help you with that. Uh, we are the only adventure hunting organization to offer you applications and reminder services in all 50 states. Yep, that's it, all 50 states, which is pretty cool, huh? I would say that's, that's a big part of us. So as a Rolling Bones member, you'll be able to take advantage um, and talk to our staff. We can answer your questions about tags, strategies, field reports, and much more. Give us a call. We deliver service access, value, and education. Plus, our members have exclusive access to the largest catalog of hunting worldwide. On That is Planet Earth. We have the largest vetted uh, book of outfitters on the market today, and we can help you. Folks, our talk today is to help you. Do you is DIY better than semi-guided? Is semi-guide better than dropped, um, supported type outfitted opportunities? Or is the guided hunt the way to go? And I'm going to tell you this. Yes, 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 and yes. One of the misnomers about what we do is that we only support outfitters and guided hunts. And that is that there couldn't be anything further from the truth. We do do DIY hunts every year. We do paid trespassing or semi-guided hunts uh, throughout the year. We've done dropped camps where, and we had one this year cancel on us. We were vetting a new drop camp outfitter and we do fully guided camps. So there's not one part of today's topics, one part of this topic today of all these touch points that we're not involved in and understand. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay, end of podcast. Thanks, guys, for listening today. We appreciate it. It's pretty you. simple. These guys are super engaged, and I appreciate it. Jeez, they did take your little talk before the uh, – I guess the, so. They, they, they're a little like 14. I got I can't remember if I was supposed to raise my hand to answer. They're, they're like 14-year-old boys. They're like 14-year-old boys that, that are mad. So, anyway, wow. well, I'll talk about it. Here's the deal. Um, I guess I'll start the thing off. Not that I have words to use, but I always am accused of having lots of words to use. Um, I, I would say this. I've done DIY. I've done semi-guided. We've done dropped. Um, I have neuropathy in my left foot to prove that I've done um, the dropped hunt of all drop hunt. We killed three out of four bull tags um, on a DIY dropped type of um, hire a transporter, go on to the Yukon and give her hell because we're from the Midwest and it, we can get this Take it would care. have been four out of four if I could have talked you into squeezing the trigger. And <laughs> when it you, wasn't for lack of trying. When, yes. Shoot it. Shoot, shoot it. Shoot that one, Brian. Shoot that Were you guys on the Yukon River in the last quarter? Yeah. No, we were on the Yukon. Big river. The big, giant river. Makes the Mississippi look like a starts right when it dumped out into the Bering Sea. We were right there is where we started. They're up 120 miles. So that, we, that Yukon is not small there. No. And you know And the sloughs are big. The, you know, the, 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 uh, 
uh, the tributaries are are some of it's those. Giant are down there, it's giant, and there's a lot of moose. Giant, thousands high of miles density. of. Yep. Yeah, it's it's just and and it was uh, it was an adventure, and we did kill three out of four. Well, and it it's was great. A, it was a weird thing too. I mean, it was just super weird because the fact of the matter is, Atlas Winter Storm Atlas came through, and it came through when we were in Alaska, right when we. It, Winter Storm Atlas dumped 60, was it 68 inches of snow in a 24, 30 hour period in Butte County, Lawrence County, South bad. Dakota. I wasn't here. But and two weeks before that, when we were in Alaska, that's what, well, that's what went through there. So it was really bad. Like our Eskimos, our Eskimo friends up there, their comment was, because I remember, I said, because I couldn't understand one of them very much. And I go, what did Audi man say? And he goes, you've never seen the Yukon this rough. I'm like, well, if if you live on the Yukon, on the you've edge of the Bering Sea, and you've never I seen it I think that's that when I looked at Art and said, broken arrow, brother. We're off of this sucker. <laughs> Let's get off broken the Yukon arrow. and find a slew, we're, right? We're, we're, uh, we're getting off of this stuff. <laughs> And so, so, so here's what I would say. Let, let, let's columnize this or put it in the verticals of DIY, and let's just talk about DIY real quick. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you two guys to tell me what you liked best about DIY and then what, what is one experience that you have not liked or would not like about DIY. And so I want to say this about DIY. DIY, um, sometimes we know a lot of these guys around Spearfish that are big into DIY. And if you're listening, this is not – by no means is this a bend but, uh, or, or a slant or a slate or a shot at you um, it, because what I'm about to say might – could be construed as that, that I'm trying to throw a slam against them. But there's some guys that are so DIY crazy that results don't matter. They would rather say, I did this DIY and go 10 times and kill one animal, okay, versus go one time and kill a animal or two times and kill an animal. They're so bent into the fact that they think that having a guide would take anything away from them. They're going to kill it on public land. They're going to go on public land. They're, but here's the reality. Some of the things that you read about and want to do in your wildest desires of a hunter, you can't even do without a guide. Stone sheep, you can't kill without a guide. Doll sheep, you can't kill without a guide. You know, um, for, for a South Dakota boy, you mountain can't. Mountain goats, unless you draw one down here. Exactly. Mountain goats, unless you draw or something like Grizzly that. Grizzly bear. So, so I say that because Muskox. I think that sometimes we get so bent on, did I do it myself? I'm going to promise you, as God is my witness, if you're that guy, please call 605-644-8000. Let's have a talk. I'm not going to debate with you, but I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through a stone sheep hunt. I'm going to walk you through a Russian snow sheep hunt. I'm going to walk you through a billy goat hunt. And I'm going to ask what part of that I didn't do on my own. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because if those aren't DIY, uh, yes, is there support on that adventure? Yeah, but they're they're. You so know, the thinking is, if you use a guide, you're kind of cheating a little bit. Yeah, it, you really didn't do it yourself, and I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that that thinking of DIY guys. And now, having said that, I love going out on public land, spot that big radar wide load there. Okay. He's pointing to a pronghorn. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That big pronghorn shot on the Montana at South Dakota border. I didn't even have a tag for that. I went up there for two days scouting to find him a big goat, found it, called him. He was at work because his tag was running out. I lived on that goat for seven hours. I, I remember that. I called for subway backup and water. Show. You did edit that show. Yes. And, um, and we spent then six hours relocating that sucker. And we killed him on public land. was one of the greatest hunts I've ever had in my life. It's a great shot. That was a long shot. It, it, it was <laughs> a great was, shot. It, it, was, it a was great. Cool. Everything was super cool about that. And so I love DIY, okay? But the mentality that I'm a public land owner, and if I don't kill it on public land by myself with nobody with me, that, that's, uh, that, that's to, to me, it's a – Well, there, well, your, well, your good public land mm -hmm. takes many years to draw also. So mm -hmm. if you want to hunt bigger animals, that takes seven years to draw that tag. A lot of the a lot of the stuff takes fifteen to twenty five now, even mm -hmm. deer and elk, not yes. just sheep. So you're gonna wait fifteen to twenty five years to say you did it yourself every year. So if you could do a buy a landowner tag or go with an outfitter to certain places, you can uh, pick up that that process, right? You can speed it up. So what would you say uh, you like most about DIY? Uh, what I like most about DIY is it's how most people get to start. Uh, flexibility. 
you have you can do I mean you have the flexibility to do what you're gonna do where you want to do it uh, you can hunt totally how you want to do it um, you get to if, if you can acquire a tag you can learn an area really well there's a lot of value in that um, I like I, I really like DIY I, I love do DIY too. I like I, DIY. I mean here's the neat thing about DIY now is we're getting to take a bunch of young people um, that's been a lot of fun DIY I mean we're handing that down um, you can would you consider DIY um, doing it yourself if you were on private land and you had a, a, a deer lease on a few thousand acres it still is yep. it's just a different it's just a different access point yeah, right I, I consider that DIY I, I do mean, too it's uh, you know obviously in if you're in Texas um, if you're I mean there's not public land in Texas Almost none. So if somebody lets you onto their ranch and you go out there and set in their blinds, is that DIY? Uh, if, if you're sitting in their blinds, yeah, it's somewhat DIY. I'd say it's less DIY if somebody set up blinds for you and you're going. I would say that's a blend. That's a trespass type thing, So, uh, which is similar to DIY. I, here's the thing. I would say DIY and I would say guided. There's an element of ability to do guided that not everybody can do it. A fiscal, there's a fiscal barrier of entry for guided. Um, but, you, but you can take a guided hunt and make it a DIY hunt. E everything else can be the same other than you're hunting some, okay, take Russia, for example. It's, it's impossible to do a DIY totally on your own. Yeah, they Russia, the country. Uh, Koryak, snow sheep hunt, not possible. You can't go to Tajikistan and do it totally, but you can get the same experience. Um, but it's just some of that. I think I think to to limit DIY. Um, if I could DIY hunt everything, I still wouldn't because of time time constraints. You simply can have the opportunity to hunt more if you get guided. Okay, horses for example. I've always had horses. Had my own tack. Um, just getting into the mountains with your own horses, A, you generally don't bring enough. I mean, your short trailers, I mean, how many times do you pop a tire hauling, hauling your stock across from South Dakota to Colorado? You got to get them shod. You, you got to get Coggins tests. You got to get health certificates. You're always messing with, you know, there's so much that goes into. Because you've done DIY horses in, in Wyoming and Montana. Wyoming, Montana. Um, we've hauled horses Colorado. all over Colorado for sure. Um, yep. I'm trying to think if we went to see like New Mexico so, is so just what, far enough away that we would rent horses instead of bringing our own. Yeah, and it I've just rented doesn't horses make sense. in Colorado too. I so, said let's let's rent horses and go up on a DIY hunt. So did did so what what would be the one thing you don't like about DIY? Uh the one thing I don't like is if I okay getting the logistics. Um, DIY, if, if you have a place that's hard to get to. For instance, Alaska is a perfect example. It's so hard to get all your gear up into a camp, get everything you need there, even if you're getting dropped off with a float plane, hauling all of your equipment from here to there. Um, DIY, that would be hard. So some of it's, it's just sp specific to the hunt and the place. Makes sense? Because, okay, you're you're gonna how many how many seventy pound bags are you gonna? No, bring I totally understand what class? you're saying. What you're saying is that DIY is awesome, and there's really nothing bad about it, other than if you're going somewhere out of the Midwest or the West that needs to have gear, then DIY you're burning daylight and time bringing your own stuff in when you could be hunting because somebody else has it set up for you. Yes, I would I would say that. I would say uh, here's the other thing about guided that is an advantage over DIY. No, no, no. We're okay. staying the vertical okay. DIY because I, I was scolded okay. by the same principle you were before oh, we got sorry, going. Sorry. So sorry. I'm going to follow. DIY. I'm actually not going to pout. I'm just going to follow his instructions. You guys don't even want to talk at first. So <laughs> no, no, nobody was pouting. We were just confused. Oh, that was that absence of anybody wanting to engage in conversation because they were still like. We're just confused by the rules. Wooden spoon either. <laughs> exactly. So Brian, what was your DIY? What do you like best about it? Well, I think everybody who grows up out west at some point starts DIY, right? <clears throat> if you grew up in New York or California, you don't have good hunting where you live, a lot of those guys start going on guided hunts because they don't know how I would to. say Midwest and West. Yeah, that's what I mean, Midwest yeah. and West. So I grew up in Oregon. You know, almost all the guys I knew 
um, you know, we're DIY mule deer and elk hunting. I think DIY, it's kind of, I guess it's a little bit like having a coach. Think of going on a guided hunt, like having a good weight training coach or a, you know, a personal trainer and you go to the gym and they got new weights you've never seen before. You know how to do push-ups, pull-ups and, and bench and maybe some squats, but then they get you doing Olympic lifting and everything. So if you have a good, uh, a DIY is like trying to figure that stuff out on your own. Now you can watch YouTube videos on how to do it. But before you didn't have YouTube videos, you didn't have any of that stuff. You didn't have GPSs, no laser rangefinders, so you just go out there and kind of figure it out. <clears throat> and I think it really challenges you the best because it puts your your your, your onus is on you. Um, so you can quit early. You can you can go further and f further than you maybe a guide would want to take you because he doesn't want the responsibility of you know having you get hurt or something. So I think DIY is great. The thing I didn't like about DIY when I started hunting in Montana, um, <clears throat> and I hunted not far from Bozeman, usually within about two hours is you'd be half the time was spent avoiding other hunters and switching places you because... Just, you just shattered my dreams because that's what I was going to say. My my biggest hate about DIY is... Well, I, a couple times we had... I had it all scouted, figured out where to go. Like one time I was hunting down there in the Madison Valley. I, I, I was taking flying lessons for my hunting business. So sometimes I would fly and just see like where hunters were, see what the snow depth was up high. Because I like to hunt between, say, November 15th and the end of the year. And so I go look for snow depths and where the animals might be migrating through. And then I would try and go that next weekend and go maybe where I, okay, there wasn't hardly any hunters there. I remember I had a place picked out. One of my friends had been hunting in there and said, Brian, we saw some great big animals. It was down by the Sphinx, which is uh, down there south of Ennist. And he said, we couldn't get to them. He said, you can get to them. You're a backpacker. I went in there, <laughs> fresh grizzly tracks and a bunch of hunters had gotten there and then scared the elk. And I was about a day behind or two days behind, you could tell they were big bulls. And that happens several times. You know, you're, you know, I've been in foot races with outfitters and horses going up the hill. And I just cut right through the v, the switchbacks. I just go right up and skip all the switchbacks and beat them. <laughs> I remember the horses huffing and puffing. So that's the kind of stuff you ran into. So when I hunted in British Columbia, though, so I got spoiled. When I was 19, 20, I went to BC. And that was DIY because I was guiding and packing. But that was my favorite I actually do not do not like hunting the lower 48 very much compared to Canada, Alaska. It, it's no comparison. I had a great Wyoming tag this year, and I we didn't have anybody bothering us because we were back in there. But on the way out, you realize how many hunters are in there. I saw more hunters on the trail out, and there wasn't that many that I did in a lifetime of hunting British Columbia. I, I, not, I, not, I mean, like, say, 15 years of hunting British Columbia, I saw less resident hunters in 15 years of three months each than I did in one elk hunt and when i did my moose hunt in 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 18 total zoo and and put this in perspective those are highly 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 controlled tags well the the elk and the bighorns where i had my elk where my, my moose tag was there was still it wasn't too hard to get drawn but it was a zoo yeah, literally where you, where you had your elk tag this year very, very, very. There was no, there was really no hunters but not within for a, locals. Is there was locals. no, oh, yeah, yeah, there yeah. was no elk hunters yeah, within hard. a mile. That's a limited entry there. Too. Even for locals, yeah. it's hard. That's le tag. So you still saw that many hunters? Oh, on the way out, I think we rode by six camps, at least. I didn't see six camps in my entire life of guiding in British Columbia. Well, and here's my thing: I have no problem with DIY. I and I, I love your analogy. The, the the weights, the guy's got the new the stuff. He can teach how to work out. You know, I I, I like that analogy. Um, and you get to go do it on your own with a DIY. I grew up doing DIY. I would walk miles and miles and miles pheasant hunting, fox hunting, deer hunting, setting up my tr uh, bow hunting. Um, I mean, I just went, everything was DIY. Everywhere we could find, knock yeah. on a door, go there, it was DIY. Then we moved out here. That's all I did to begin with when I moved out here was DIY. And I was already paying for hunts because I've been, I've been doing guided hunts since uh, since. The caribou yeah, you, hunt. You you were well ahead How of me. How old were you? Twenty one the, uh, in the caribou. I was twenty one years old when I went on my first guided hunt. I had a choice. I had a little money saved, buy a new pickup and have a hundred and twenty five dollar a month pickup uh, payment with my down payment, mm -hmm. or I told Lindley or I could go on this uh, hunt with uh, Club Chambeau at the Eau Claire <coughs> uh, at the Eau Claire Sports and Show. And who's this Lindley at this point? Lindley, in your Lindley, life? Lindley was my fiance at that point. <laughs> she she was just my she was just my 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 anyway. I was She's thinking you were just brand so, new married then. 
you weren't you weren't newlyweds at that point. Oh, we were. We were newlyweds. Yeah, you were, right. just we gotten just gotten married. I left her in our first year of marriage to go on a hunt for ten <laughs> days. Said, "See us." We wasn't are, on I'm your on anniversary here. at least though. Uh, the week before. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> So usually you don't want to miss your first anniversary after the first one just go hunting. So no, we didn't have a prenuptial because I had no um, uh, money, but we had a prehuntual. Um, and you that, never get that married. Was, that, never... that prehuntual meant if you tell me I can't hunt, then this sucker is over, and I get everything. For those that uh, weren't uh, watching, Lindley poked her head in the studio and shook her head. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she did. That. She would tell you that. Hey, Lindley, come here and say yes. We had a prehuntual. <laughs> anyway, the fact of the matter is. The fact of the matter is, and my first guided hunt to be totally, this is why I feel like I have a great perspective. And that's why I feel like this podcast is so powerful because all three of us have a great perspective of this. Slightly different perspective, yeah, but, but, but different, but, 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 but great similar. perspectives. They're great perspectives. Yeah. yeah. But my first guided hunt was a semi guided hunt. We were dropped into that area and you had a camp manager and one oh, for guy. caribou. Yep. You were, you were on your own as much as anything. Exactly. And so, um, that was just interesting, but I, I get elevated about this cause I get super passionate about the DIY cause nobody loves it more than me. I just hate to hear these guys with this big break about if I didn't do it, DIY, I just shake my head and I go, brother, sister, no, let's be together on this. And let's not have DIY eyes against everybody. I think there's in the world. some pride involved because I remember, like Scott Palmer was the first one who said, "Let's go do." A, I can't remember what hunt it was, but guided hunt. And I was like, "I'm not doing a guided hunt." So I think there's some. You were uh, one of those guys. Well, yeah, yeah, I think it's. I like Scott Palmer more now than I did yesterday. I, I don't think. <laughs> I, I don't think it's. I, I think you just think you can do it on your own. You want to do it. There's the element of I just want to do it on my own, and that's what you're used to doing. And that's all I was used to doing. Well, ever. I would encourage you then to know that you're closing so many doors to the great world of the outdoors. I, I'm just saying well, you're gonna, that's you're the You're going to have to self – you're going to yeah. have to learn on your own. But the biggest thing is DIY is you learn on your own or you learn from somebody who's way more experienced than you, and then you can learn how they do it, then take their knowledge plus what you learned yourself on that trip and go DIY. You're going to be way more successful. Well, once you've done – a yeah, guided you, hunt, you realize that it's not like you don't, as Scott would say, Brad, you're not going to check your brain at the door. You get, yeah, a, you get I couldn't keep, agree well, more. With there you. are people though that 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 are just not capable of doing DIY hunt either because of their age, physical yes. ability, or honestly, some people are just not good hunters. Yeah, right? they're and just you know not what? good. And if you're a good DIY, it's hunter, like guys who like you're going to be a great guided hunter. Yeah. You're going to be a great drop gap hunter. If you're well, this big DIY guy, then you're going to be great at all the rest of it. Well, you know the best thing about hunting for some guys is you can be really pretty much grossly incompetent, not be able to shoot great, not be able to see great, not be able to hike great, but there's a hunt out there for you to be successful on. It's not like going on the football team. If you're if you're like short, yeah, look at you, Brad. <laughs> No, but if you're a little short. I mean, seriously, you that short. I didn't even say kid, anything. I that, didn't interrupt. That, and, and, but if I didn't even raise my hand. I just pointed at you. But if you're a short little and fat you blow guy, it up. No, you didn't. If you, you, you you held your arms open and went, look at me. I did this. But like this if you're if you're about. a short little fat guy, for example, you're never going to be an outside linebacker, right? You can you can watch it, but you can never partake. Really, you're going to get ran over. You're going to get smashed. And hunting, if you're that way, you can go whitetail hunting. You can go gator hunting. You can do whatever. You may not be a backpack solo sheep hunter and carry out the sheep on your own, but you can go hunting and enjoy it. So the nice thing about hunting. As a DIY guy, you can, you know, but I see that the, the archery guys are the most extreme DIY guys, right? The guys who are like the purest DIY guys are usually you're like your archery elk and deer hunters. But if you want to be the, if you really want to learn how to do it, you should go on your own um, because you'll really learn how to navigate. Because if you, if you're with a guy who's a really good hunter, um, whether it's your buddy or a guide, he's going to usually make those decisions and you're just going to be following along. But if you're on your own, you got to navigate in the dark. You do that a few times, you have a big appreciation for it. Either don't do it again, or you learn how to do it because you'll get lost or hurt. So DIY is, but I I, I think the term DIY is almost a turnoff sometimes in some crowds. It's like the guys that say, "Well, I only hunt for the meat." No, you don't. I mean, if you you do way cheaper to go to Brian's butcher shop and buy, you know, 500 pounds of beef than to spend, oh you know, boy. three weeks hunting. So you do it because you enjoy it. It's something wild. There's a multiple of reasons, but it's we, we're taking the hunting too much the other way. Well, the only reason to hunt to feed the family. No, it's not. No, you just go buy a beef if you want to feed the family. You hunt because it's part of your natural calling in life to be a human and a predator. And so DIY is kind of the chance to, like, release your, you know, inner self to go out and challenge yourself, really, in my opinion. It's kind of like, why would you do a marathon? It doesn't make any sense, really. But you do it to challenge yourself, and that's kind of like what DIY hunting is like, you know, like on a, 
solo backpack elk hunter with your buddy, you know, it's not really logical. It's way easier to hire a guide, but you know, running a marathon is running a marathon until you've done it. You don't really realize what it's like to run 26 miles until you packed out an elk for a day and a half on your back. You don't really realize you, then you appreciate that meat a lot more. <laughs> if you only have horses doing it, that problem is I've seen guys that are really well to do and they've never done a DIY hunt. They do not appreciate what the guide's doing and how much they're they're, 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 not, they're not engaged in that's the actual process. Said, that's why I said if you're a DIY guy, don't turn off the rest of the world to yourself because you're going to love the rest of the world. I, I, I was talking – I was on a podcast, Million Dollars, Millionaire's Mindset, uh, a week ago, and um, I was doing the podcast, and the guy that I did the podcast with is a multi-multi-millionaire, giant icon in financial services, traveled all the world. And one of the first trips that uh, um, I did when I started hunting back up after opening my brokerages is that um, I, I went to a – we did a DIY, if you will, or it was DIY even though we had guides there. But we would go to Mexico, get our own guides, and we would fly mm -hmm. in on one of their private planes. Oh, he went with so, you and Tuttle? Oh, and oh yeah. Guys? We went all over the world oh, together. Yeah. We went to Argentina. We went. He went to England. He bought so two So he's 40s. a big hunter, too. He, oh, giant hunter. He's been out is here. This, is this Predator uh, shooting? Larry. Uh, who, who, yeah, yeah, but, Larry. but the, the bodybuilder, is that his dad? Yes, that's his dad. And is, yeah, and he's yeah. came to shows with us. Right, right, right. So he was one of my closest mentors in financial services. Anyway, the funny thing is, is he said, Brian, the thing about you that I remember the most on the podcast is he said, when I think of you, it's uh, synonymous with adventure. Because I remember we were coming out of the mountains in Kiriego, uh, Mexico, in Sonora, and we were coming down out of the mountains, and we were coming down out of the mountains, and what happened was um, we, had a, we had a tire blowout, and we had all these bird boys and Mexican bird guides. And I jump out, and, and the, the guys I was with just grabbed a football, and they started playing football where they were oh. fixing it. So that's... tell them what a bird boy is. So a bird boy, well, a bird boy is a bird boy. You guys can get hey, your doves when you're killing. You exactly. It's like a, like a retriever. Right. They just do it different down there. <laughs> Brad's enamored with this still. He loves it. He can't wait to get back. So, so anyway, um, I'm watching him. The kid from me, the, the DIY farm kid from me in Iowa that killed squirrels for squirrel, squirrel pot pies, butchered our own deer, da-da-da-da, all that stuff, sat there watching them try to get this tire off. And I was like... This is, we're going to be here a long time. So I just jumped in and they're like, oh, we can't get that fixed. And I'm like, we can get that fixed. And so I just jumped in and did it. And my point to that was, is that a guided hunt or a DIY hunt, you don't have to change who you are. Get engaged in everything. Right. I love helping the outfitters cook. I love helping the outfitters do the horses. I love, hey, no. you want me to go split some wood? I'm your wrangler too. Hey, listen, I'm going to take as much meat on my pack as I can. You were on that goat hunt, and, and I said, listen, I'm taking this sucker off the mountain. It's the one thing I promised myself. And so I, I just think that, that doing a guided hunt is not giving up your manhood as a hunter to go do that. Does that make sense? And you only shot well, your goat hunt, once too, so there was more meat. A guided hunt's more like doing a team sport or run like the run the relay relay and track, and a DIY hunt's more like just going out and doing the lawn jump jump or throwing the javelin. It's more of an individual sport. Or wrestling. Yeah, that's good. Or being a wrestler, Iowa boys, the wrestling. We all know wrestling. So exactly, I couldn't agree more. It's a different with experience, you. but it's still yeah. So semi guided. Have you guys ever done a semi guided hunt? All the guided hunts I go on are semi guided. Explain that. Because a lot of times I have more experience on the animals sometimes than the hunter guides do, unless I'm in Africa. So if I let's say I go doll sheep hunting in Canada or Alaska, I will just say, hey, give me your, one of your young guys that wants to have fun and learn, and we'll go backpacking and have fun. And so really the guide's not really responsible for taking care of me. He's more like a buddy, right, that's not shooting. So most of my guided hunts have been, I would call it not really guided because I don't expect or want that service. Now when I go to Africa, it is different. Because I don't know the area, I don't know the animals, and so it is. More, and then I'm more of a client, but I'm still very actively involved. But when I go on all my other sheep hunts in Canada where I had to be guided, I, I, I considered myself not really fully guided. I think that might, if you're listening today, I just like, like I like learning, right? That's why I'm always reading books. Um, that might have been the best explanation of my attitude going in, and I've never been able to articulate it like that. When I go to a camp, I, every hunt I do is semi-guided. Um, if I have a fully guided hunt where I'm going on a sheep hunt, you know, I, I, I hunted with John, um, in, uh, Alaska this year, one of the greatest guides, uh, sheep guides in Alaska, They've been doing it yeah, quite well life. known and very keen and very keen. 
And um, I would consider it semi-guided because I went step for step for him everywhere. I didn't ask him to hook, put up my tent. I didn't ask him to carry my shit. You know what I'm saying? I, we went step for step. Well, you're hunting like a teammate then. Yep. He has one role and you have another role. Yep. But without, I mean, he can't be there without you. And, and, and you can't legally be there without him. Right. And so it was, I like that because that's semi-guided. The semi-guided. Well, it's like Asia. Hunting Asia, you know, you got a, you got a guy who can't speak good English usually. He's not going to be able to call your shots. So you, that's why when you do these shooting schools and stuff, you also need to learn how to call your own shots and make your own wind calls because in Asia, you're not going to have somebody helping you. Shoot, shoot, shoot. I got to tell you guys, I'm so embarrassed. Um, This weekend, we went coyote calling. I haven't been coyote calling out east um, much this year. And me and my buddy. Were you rusty? No, no, no. I I was, well, mm. so you don't ever want to give them up. And when you call in a triple, and you have two of them dead, and the third one's sitting there looking at you at 460 You yards. can't miss it. You can't well, miss you it. You want it bad, don't you? You want it bad. And I put that I put it on there. I dry fired. I had him. I had the range. He was on a cut bank. And the bullet went right through. We have it on video. The bullet right went his right hair. through his hair on the, the, the uh, his right side. And all day long, I was given everything at distance, three to four minutes of wind. And... Um, <laughs> Well, it, some of that was a brand new gun because you think the it was a little high, yeah. Because I'd missed one at six fifty, a little high. Yeah. But here, here's the thing: um, I think it's running a little hotter than what it was because I missed one at six fifty, that much high. And this was probably this was probably a minute high too because it. But it should have it should have still hit him right there. And when you say that you, I, oh man, I made a mistake, so we should have had a triple. Well, you that. actually, but the, the thing is, until you fine tune your gun at three and four hundred yards, your gun is not zeroed. That's exactly right. If well, you zero your gun at 100 yards, it's not zero. So, so, so Brian brought a, essentially a brand-new rifle, and it, we probably are just getting close to 100 rounds. Well, when you're it. coyote hunting, though, it has yeah. to be finite, too, yeah. because and people don't well, you're realize. Talking so small, you are a little bit of a A minute of coyote is a lot bigger, a lot smaller than A minute than of coyote of, it's facing you. It's a perfect rifle. <laughs> it's, it's our 22 Creedmoor, yeah. and it's got 75-grain bullets, and they're cooking. But that, that rifle probably has sped up another 50 feet per second. It, yeah. You've got to verify it, though. Like, yeah, if I you do. go on Marco Polo hunting, if you, you shoot out to 1,000, so if you see one at 500, you know exactly what it's going to be. Exactly. Well, in your defense, we worked until dark. The night before, and the I grabbed before, the rifle. And, and, you, you and here's the thing. Your crap in and and I you couldn't, run. you don't know what set you're going to take because I was going to put my six out there. And then <laughs> I, and I was like, no, I'm going to commit to this 22 Creedmoor because it's quiet. 22 shooting. It, and it's quiet. And because I, I got that nine inch can on there. And I will tell you this. Now, that was all DIY, by the way. DIY. Love it. Um, but I will tell you this. Um, I shot one at 417 running. And it hammers them. So it you is brought amazing. two totally different guns. You brought one gun just getting out of the nursery, and then one the twenty-two that's Creedmoor, proven, and, proven. and one the, that's almost the shot six out. Creedmoor that is just going into the old folks' home. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, but but to that point, it made me think of that. You're you're right. But every hunting adventure, if you g- approach it like, uh, what am I going to learn from this? Then there's never really a net loss on the hunt. Does that make sense? Um, so. So DIY, semi-guided, you look at every hunt like it's semi-guided to some degree. you got to take personal responsibility. I mean, you have to come up and... Super good. You have to come up... Any Anytime a hunter chokes a hunt, a shot that he should have made, you're basically you're shooting on the entire staff. The guides work, the packers work. When you miss a gimme shot, we're not talking a running coyote at 417. That's a lucky shot, right? If you miss a broadside Whoa, mule deer uh, with so. a rest at 317, totally qualified. That is that is a you have to make that shot. So the one thing you can do as a hunter, you can be blind. You can't if you never see one animal. If you just can at least somehow keep up with a guide enough, where even if you know you get there. Just don't miss. If all you have to do is worry about finding your rest and killing the animal, that's all you have to do. If you're grossly incompetent and tired and, like you said, you got bad vision and whatever. But that's the one thing as a client is don't be missing because that really is a direct insult to the, all the guides' work that put, they put into it. Drop, so, be in good enough shape to hunt hard and it, be a good enough shot to make a reasonable shot. Don't quit and shot. don't miss. That's all I ask for a client. Don't quit and don't miss. Write that down. I, I like that. Don't quit. Don't, and, don't miss a gimme shot. And don't – I see so many people quit, and I've wanted to quit too, but I've overcame it. You know, I've had sore ankles. Like David Goggins blisters. is not a quitter. Don't But he quit. might be the extreme on, on, you know, on his YouTube channel. And don't miss. I like that's it. Because those are the one thing. If you quit, you can't get to the animal, 
And if you miss, you may never see another one, especially on some of these rare sheep hunts. Okay, so I have a question for you guys. We'll go with you first. Okay. 5500 drop camp. Everything's all set up. You get to go yourself. $5,500 or 5,500 feet? Listen, 5,500 bucks. It's a drop <laughs> camp, trophy area, Montana, um, elk. And you, um, you are, it's a drop camp, 5,500 bucks. They, they actually even have a camp cook because we have this hunt. Okay. okay. $5,500. I know exactly which hunt it is. He yep. or she no, camp cook. Hold, hold on. Yep. Okay. okay. Let's not digress. I'm going to ask you both the same question, so I want your honest answer. 7,500 fully guided, one-on-one -on -one hunting every morning. Guide takes care of uh, the other details with the camp cook. Which one do you do? For, for what species was it? Elk, trophy elk. I'm gonna, I, I, my preference would be uh, where at? A, a trophy matter. unit. It's, it's I'm not going to say because so it's on our thing. Let's, and let's, I, I would, let's just call it Mont let's call it what? Let's get Bob Marshall, Montana. So I would say I would definitely. In the Bob Marshall. My preference would be to have, um, I would spend more to have that outfitted. You, so you'd go another three grand from 55, two grand. Two grand. Well, the advantage is, is I can hunt That's what longer. I want to know. Tell because, our audience. Well, because what about getting the animal out? The drop camp guys, for that money, he's going to pack your animal out. There's a packer's going to come get yep, your animal. Yep, correct. That's what happens. He's just not going to be holding your wanker uh, during the day. That you're on your own. You go. Yeah, but when you get it down, you GPS it and he, yep, they take the packer and get it out. That's what happens. But 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 oh, but also it, you're then dealing. Is, then it's pretty similar because, is it? Well, you, here's the advantage of having the extra money spent is you're going to have a local that knows the area unless you know the area. That's a you're at a big disadvantage. And here's the other the other tremendous thing is Extra how hand. much how much have you elk hunted? Um, it depends if you've yeah, elk hunted a that's lot. Good point. Um, I, you know, I've shot. I, I counted the other day. I've shot 25 elk. Yep, but you're an anomaly. Okay, but if you haven't shot 25 elk, do yep. you know? Are you are you fully? Can you, can you, you handle one at dark? Yeah, I mean, there's all that. Um, so there's, there's, it, it very well might be worth an extra grizzly bears, bucks. grizzly bears. Well, for grizzly bears, especially if, if you're, you're in, bow hunting, you better take a, something to help if you. If you're in grizzly bear country and you're not used to being in grizzly bear country, it's, there's a ton of value in having somebody that keeps your butt. That's what I'm asking. Well, this is grizzly safe. bear hunting. Yeah, that one is. Or grizzly yeah. bear country. Well, most of your lot, lot, half of your stuff in Montana that has elk and it has grizzly bears close. Anything south of Bozeman and Gardner has grizzly bears and Ennis. And then anything. So you never asked the question, what would you do? I would have no problems spending the extra money for that. How about you? First thing, for me, I would find out, is a guide been there before or not? If yeah, the guide's the, been there before. They're local guides. We've vetted them. They have great guides. Generally, for that money, if you've never hunted the area before, let's say it's your first time with the outfitter, go guided. And then if you've hunted with him a couple times and you feel like you know what you're doing and you want to – prestige of doing it on your own do the drop camp with the outfitter Second, now you, now you I know like that. now you know the what would you do so you're buying some now education. you know the area better and the outfitter is more likely to help you out um you know because if you just do a drop camp for the first time you're not going to probably be in as good of areas where the guides are going to go so i was going to say the same thing i had two points super easy number one trophy care i i think having a guide with you you pair for care expertise and what does scott palmer say well Care, what, care what, skill, what you, and expertise. Is that care, what you skill, say? and judgment. Care, skill, and judgment. Okay, whatever. So no, not whatever, but you're yeah. paying for care, skill, and judgment, right? Yeah. So my thing would be trophy care. That's the number one thing why I'd want to guide with me. It's not that I need a hunting buddy to hold my hand at dark. It's the fact that when I kill a big elk, all right, that's a big – like, like I have a degree in meat science, an associate's degree. I'm Like I run butcher shops. I, that's what I did before Wall Street, right, in right. financial services. And so um, – and but yet, and I'm a kid that grew up on a farm in Iowa that has killed and cut it up a lot of yep. things. But I still want a hand and a handy hand, not some guy that I'm teaching Especially how to do something. Especially on moose and elk. Moose, elk, anything like that. I go because trophy care. I'm paying for somebody to to, to take care. Literally, of if you have somebody holding a chunk of fur, it helps you. On and, a, and knows on what an to elk, do with moose, exactly. Whatever. So trophy care number two. You you alluded to it and said it, but my thing is navigation. I want somebody that can help me navigate uh, if I, we're going into a nasty hole that nobody's ever been in. And they go, dude, if we, you can ride hard, we can get back to this area. I know it super well, and nobody's going to be there. There's always going to be animals back there. 
kind of like you did this year um, with you and your buddy. Uh, was it Bob and Larry, in, Larry yeah. in, in Wyoming? I want that. And I'm willing to pay 25 to 30% more for those two things. So I think when you're assessing this, if I was you listening. And we went scouting too. And Yes. And he'd been in there three times in the past, maybe four. So that was like his fifth trip in there, or maybe sixth trip in right. there. Right. So care and expertise, right? So well, there the was thing s- is, generally, if you're going on a guided or semi-guided hunt, you're not going to be have might be like four or five states away, and you won't have time to scout it. Brad, you it's, could you could could you have done DIY on yourself for your own bighorn this year? You drew after 23 years. Could I done DIY? Not that area. It, well, legally, I couldn't. Well, but you're area. saying you're saying if I so I'm saying so no, no legally no, I I'm asking to, no. so you legally had to have one and so what did he provide he provided help getting the logistics animal, trophy yeah. care and logistics inside area information yeah I mean here's the reality on that type of deal he'd been in there he, he knew hundred percent this the, so navigation like that, logistics yeah, and trophy care hunts like that aren't even pre-scouted I mean the, nobody goes up in there unless you have somebody that you're going to go up. But he knew because he's up there every year. Right. So, so for him, sheep like, are very okay. habitual. Yeah. Especially right. in August and September. But there's el- going to be but elk. Be sheep but there. elk are habitual to some degree too. There, no, moose have an area there. Well, I could go into that area where I hunted, and as long as you don't have a big snowstorm, the bulls are going to be there. You just want to make sure you're there a couple of days before any other residents set up a camp so they don't let that you know so, they don't ride past you. Right. So 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 my my thing is this: I would do trophy care. And um, and the navigation would be the two reasons I would pay more because I always I, I want a value added proposition. I want to know what I'm paying for. And so um, that would be big for me. Well, like what Brian just said, you'd want to be there a few days early. OK, so so I hunt two hours from here in the Bighorns. I hunted it 10 years in a row. You could go up and Fourth of July, people are starting to set up camp sometimes because they want their camp. They want their spot. Um, some sometimes it's not that early, but you know by by Labor Day, people are in there a week or two before setting up their camps because they're not planning on being there. But there's camps you can ride around in a lot of that country, and there's camps set up for uh, quite a bit in advance just so they have their spot. Right, I right, mean, it, uh, for sure. And, and that's one one thing guides do give you is they have spots sometimes. And, and so from my perspective, DIY, drop camp. Semi-guided, guided, you know, when you start breaking them down and really looking at what they are, I think the number one component of all four of those genres, if you will, is you, the hunter, and how you approach it and, and, and how you look at it. And I would say that that's what this podcast, I would say, would be for, is for you to just consider what we're saying because we've done a lot of them and we do them all the time. Well, I would, the other thing I would say is I would, you know, they call it the 90-10 rule or the 20-80 rule. Most of your DIY guys, 10% of the guys kill 90% of the big animals. And so when you go with a guide, you're going to spread that odds out a lot better. Because honestly, most hunters aren't very skilled. They don't have the experience. They don't, they're not aggressive enough. They don't know when to hold, when to fold. They don't know when to, you know, sit here a little bit longer. And that experience going with a guide who has a proven track record it's going to take you out of that 90-10 rule because most of the guys are in the 80-90% that don't get a good animal. Right. And ten, I mean, I know the guys in Montana who shoot You're a big bull, they shoot one every year. Right. And then the other guy shoots one six point in 10 years because some guy spooked and it ran by him. Well, not even being a good enough hunter. If you live in Muscatine, Iowa, and you want to hunt outside of the park, it's just a whole different way. Well, if you not, live in Muscatine, Iowa, you, you have some serious well, what I mean, problems. It, well, what I mean good hunter <laughs> is like you don't have the knowledge. My buddies live in Muscatine. I know, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of I hunters dated just a aren't girl closers. From Muscatine. <laughs> but a lot of I hunters think I are hit closers. On a, girl from no, a lot of hunters don't know how to close. They don't have the experience. It's not that they don't have the potential ability. They don't have the experience. Yep. Yeah, they don't. So know they either how to close. lack experience, and some guys just aren't skilled. They just can't close. Yep. And that's where so, a guide helps you close. So I have a question now. Just listening here. So you know, DIY has a great purpose, and we've all been there. Because I think your first hunt, like you said, was DIY. Most everybody, that's that's how they get started. So it definitely has a good place there. And if you like to hunt, you know, it's kind of a hobby. You're probably just going to be DIY. If you want to be a lot better or you want to have more of an adventure, you're going to have to invest a little more and probably look at guided or semi-guided. Yep. The barrier, and we touched on it a little bit, is the cost. Because it's going to be a little bit more. So, Brian, maybe it'd be a good time to talk a little bit about the Hunt Layway plan 
that rolling bones can kind of help you get over that barrier if you're to that point where you've done DIY, 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 and you'd like to do semi you know or maybe a guided. And I think that's I think that that is a um, an a generous proposal for me to explain that because what we usually never want to do and aren't trying to do is have this be an infomercial for our company's membership and what we deliver, right? We just want to give you our knowledge, da da da, and we feel organically we'll engage you. Okay, it's my but, job but, to make it an infomercial. Yeah, I know. So we will. So 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 Leave what we've done because we we really have worked with these outfitters to be able to come up with a payment plan system, and we have a hunt layaway opportunity for you. And if you're sitting there going, "Yep," but I could never afford fifty five hundred. I could never afford seven thousand. Maybe. Um, I didn't think I could ever either. But I was just out of college. How do I? As a, just a kid out of college, go on my first guided hunt, semi-guided, drop. What you wanted to do? It's because that was you what wanted my, it worse than a, a, a new pickup. pickup. I wanted it worse than a new pickup. I wanted to go drive to Montreal. Now, if and you'd sleep ever in driven in a Tundra, maybe it would have changed your mind. I don't know, right? <laughs> I don't know. They didn't make Tundras back then. But the fact of the matter is, I was willing to get in my truck, load my shit up with a buddy of mine, sleep in the back of it, get on an airplane, fly to Shefferville, and I'll never forget. My buddy was going to do it with his recurve. And we're on the plane, and he, he looks at me, he goes, what the? And I go, what, what is going on? He goes, he goes, I left my limb, uh, he goes, I left my limb bolts um, on the counter in Wisconsin. Then he's going to be a chucker. A and I go, then, huh? I go, you are so. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and the good news was he brought his rifle. Because, but he wanted to kill one with his recurve more than anything, and it was the only way his trip was going to be a success. Nothing will turn you into a rifle hunter faster than leaving leave your arrows on he the He had mind blockage, out. though. He <laughs> did have mind blockage, and we were coming back. A lot of bow hunters do. When I he, hate to say it. Yeah, I, and a lot of bow hunters do. And when he came back, he said, you know, I go, I go, sorry you didn't get it with your bow. And he said, you know what, this took nothing away from how I shot it because this was an amazing trip, and I killed two great bulls, and it, it was amazing. So I guess my point was, is clear back then, um, I understood that I wanted to go hunting and it was a priority. We've made it easy for that priority to happen. Here's what happens. You find a hunt you want, you and if you don't have the money and it's more than you, it says it can afford on our hunt catalog as a member, and you can do it as for as little as 50 bucks. You click on the button that says contact me about this hunt. Okay? You type in there, I would be interested in this hunt and I would like to understand your hunt layaway program. Okay? Then what happens is Kelly, somebody from the home office is going to give you a call, okay, somebody from the headquarters. And we're going to say, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? We're going to contact the outfitter, find out what the down payment would be for you minimal, okay, the minimum down payment to hold your spot. And then we're going to use our credit with that outfitter to help you hold that spot. And we're going to set up an escrow account, um, and you're going to start making payments into that. And before you know it, two, three years from now, you're going to be on that hunt. And, um, and I, we've seen people that never thought they could kill a big elk and, that had a, you know, $3,000 budget, but they were all able to extend it to 5500 or 7000 get their date set, put their mind on it, start making payments. They go on a hunt, kill a trophy of a lifetime, and they're hooked forever. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's a really good point. And we want – that's part of our service access value and education. Well, we want to service you the pan, give you more access, bring you the value of a payment, and educate you on how to do it. Well, 200 a month gets you a $7,000 hunt in three years. Exactly. Hunter Expedition Layaway Plan. Hunter Expedition Layaway Plan. We'll Help. rename it. H-E-L-P. <laughs> oh, you sound so Write that shit down. That's our new I've That's old Olympus is towering top. I've, I've been guided, in German. I've guided a hot. couple school I've guided It's in a your script, buddy. It's already in your script. Oh, my God. Oh. I should have read it. I've I, guided a couple school I teachers. I have not read that and memorized it and committed it like I have the other ones. I will do that, bleep. I'm sorry. What? I've had a couple school teachers that saved 100 or $200 a month for like five years. Went doll sheep hunting, went goat hunting, went grizzly hunting. You know, just on school teacher budget, using extra coaching money and stuff like that, still raising a couple of kids. So, yeah. It's a great way to do it. I mean, they're not going stone sheep hunting. They still want doll sheep hunting, mountain goat, caribou. That's you know, awesome. Bear, you know, so got the job done. So, you know what? So, I think that this is, guys, I think this has been a great podcast. Um, this this engages me in a lot of enthusiasm because as a young kid, I started doing guided hunts, and I didn't do it because I was a bad hunter, okay? Um, my buddies that listen to this from Iowa know that I live this shit. 
You know what? At the end of the season, when we made playoffs, my three, uh, my junior, senior, uh, my uh, my sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school, I, I was excited that we made playoffs, but I wasn't disappointed if we dropped out or got beat that much um, because um, I can start season, going huh? and getting oh. in a tree stand. And I know, and I was a football fanatic, and I would do anything to run out on that football field oh. one more time and have one more Friday night at that physical level and just do that, you know. And um, and I was just obsessed with it. And you know that. You watched me. But I, I but I tell you, on Saturday mornings when everybody else was nursing aches and outs and going, uh, I was doing the same thing, but I was in a truck checking my trap lines, going, wondering how many muskrats I got, if I caught any mink on any mm-hmm. muskrat runs that were trapped out because the mink would come in behind them and run up the muskrat holes. Uh, how many raccoons did I get in leg holds? You know, I, I was just obsessed with it. And so when we start talking about this, I think the average and ordinary guy out there that thinks they can't go hunting and they have to commit to the badge of being a DIY, if I could erase that from that pin that you're wearing and say I can hunt everywhere, semi-guide dropped, uh, guided, I mean, I would like to do that. And, you know, I really seriously, it, it gets me enthusiastic. You're spoiled and rotten because you uh, um, you lived out here. You grew up in the Black Hills of South Dakota. You grew up in the confluence of the greatest hunting in America. Montana, 25 yep. minutes away. Wyoming, 11 minutes away. Um, Nebraska, an hour and a half away. Western Nebraska, the Sand Hills. Yeah. And the Black Hills, and then the Cheyenne River North Valley. Dakota, only a couple hours. North Dakota, a couple hours. Colorado, six. The Colorado, six. And the damn freaking Cheyenne River breaks yeah. up hour and five minutes away at most. Right. And so you're spoiled rotten beyond. Oh, I'm a DIY hunter. Yeah, you son of a sucker. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's easy a, for you it's to It's easier to be a sense? DIY hunter when you, when you grow here. up out here. And yep. that's what you do. But, yeah. And and you're an Oregon kid that that got a break and became a guide early and and then went crazy with it. Well, I, I grew up flat broke on a horse farm and dad and mom had a construction company in Iowa and uh, big red squirrel day, uh, pheasants in a snowstorm and uh, a deer with my bow was a big thing and me reading Fred Bear Field notes you suckers were well, le- living you were living it. Does that make another sense? Another thing to keep in perspective though. <laughs> Take two of the best athlete. Take the best athlete you can think of, like a Usain Bolt or Tiger Woods. Guess what they all or have? Or Brett Miller. Well, <laughs> he's not bad, but they all have a coach. And think of a guide like a coach, a you mentor. Know, you, you still gotta, you still yep. gotta run the race. You still gotta hit the golf ball. But a good guide is gonna help you and keep you kind of in the right direction. So phenomenal point. And you know what I think we'll do? I think we'll end on that. And we'll say, we appreciate you. Hey, listen, give us a call, 605-644-8000. Pick up the phone, say, I want to talk to Brad Dana. I want to talk to Brian Martin. I want to talk to Bleep. I want to talk to Bleep, and why does he uh, cut some of the best parts of this out? Here's just a quick reminder, though. Be sure to subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many other locations. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Let let us know what you want to hear. And uh, um, we want this podcast to be very valuable to you. And so, as always, we couldn't have done this without getting one big yawn in from Brian Martin. Are we? Is that? Are we right by Joe Rogan on the on Spotify? Then I don't think so. Um, maybe <laughs> Neil Young um, for one more hour. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's just a little fun. So, hey, the, the Joe Rogers Hunting Podcast. Until next time, be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.